Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me today, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, as well as Broad Street Hockey's own Kelly Hinkle. Yay! Uh, we're gonna jo- we're gonna uh, throw to a an interview we did earlier today with Keith Jones in a little bit, but I think we have some Flyers stuff to get out of the way first. Uh, they they have played. They finally played a game. They finally did. They yes, a game. they did play, and we talked briefly. Uh, there were some issues. We Chuck. eventually got there. Yeah, we eventually got uh, we eventually got to talk uh, after that Chicago game, and I thought it was a. The score was not indicative of how well the Flyers played for the final 40 minutes, I thought. Like, that could have been a 5-1 game, probably. Probably. But I thought it was a good answer to an overtime loss in which they came back and played relatively well, and then the game against the Devils in which it just didn't really... It just... It wasn't their day. I, I mean, thought it was a good response. It's Yeah, it's what they had to do. Like, they had a bad game in the outdoor game, and I think it was important for them to just come out and beat the shitty Blackhawks. And that's what they did. They stopped themselves from going on any kind of weird streak. They didn't play down to a team less talented than them. They, you know, won the hockey game. It's what we needed from them. I just think that Tortorella, number one, he certainly wasn't that happy about the win. He was weird. Um, I thought that he was a little overly harsh on the Morgan Frost line. I thought they were much better than he gave credit for. This is John Tortorella we're talking about. And this is a line center by Morgan Frost. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just saying that said, I, I, I wasn't maybe as impressed with their performance as, as you guys were. I, I think, I think it was an important game. You had to win. Yeah. There's a reason why John's Tortorella. This was literally after the stadium series game, like 10 minutes after the game, John Tortorella said that game scares the shit, the shit out of me. Yeah. He was scared about the Chicago game because Chicago stinks. And it was such an obvious trap game where, you're not playing a lot of games this week. It was Saturday, then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, no games. Then Wednesday, you play against this crap Chicago team in a one-day road trip, basically. Then Thursday, Friday, no games. Then you have the Rangers, the Penguins, the Lightning, the Capitals, four teams that are either in a playoff spot or pushing for a playoff spot. So you have four big games. Before that, you have this one-off road game against the worst team in hockey. Torts was scared about it. Could the Flyers have played better? Yeah. yeah. I thought the the first 20 minutes, they had the puck most of the time, but when they turned it over, they turned it over big. The second period I thought was good. The third period I thought was lax. I thought the first 10 minutes were good. The final 10 minutes, if that was a team not named the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks, the Flyers maybe end up having to go to overtime because they coasted. Yeah, it reminded me of like an English Mike coasted game. Yeah. Like they had the lead, so now we're just going to turtle. Yeah. And, and fight off the Blackhawks for as long as we possibly can. It's it's. I hate when coaches do that, and I don't think that was what. I don't, Tortor- no, I, no, I don't I, think that's I, I, what Tortorella exactly. was doing. Yeah, I think um, Tortorella. One of the reasons. Think, one of the reasons why he yeah. was mad after the game or dissatisfied mm-hmm. was because they coasted the final ten right, minutes. Right, it was right, certainly yeah. not something I no, think no, he was no. telling them no, to no, do. No. Um, but yeah, go ahead. And no, and like he put the emphasis on that game, like Charlie said, on Saturday night. Yeah, and then they came out in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, they were fine. 
it's not as if they were like, oh yeah, let's put our let's put our foot on the throat of this horrible team and end the game right away. But like, it they all, it, that but good. it also wasn't the Sharks game. Yeah, well, <laughs> could have been. That's <laughs> varying degrees. That's the one thing like dealing with these expectations now. I would love to know like how the players feel about like and really everyone like I, I said to Jonesy and we'll see it in the interview like they're living in two worlds right now. Like we're we're rebuilding, but also you better beat the shit out of the Blackhawks. Like, no, they're losing on purpose, and we're not. Yeah. You're better than them. They have one guy you should be afraid of, uh, and he's phenomenal, despite uh, the, the the move we keep seeing over and over not working, and it's being built up like it was this <laughs> insane, oh, my God. Like, no, this was not Ovi's rookie goal where he scored from his back. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, it was a cool play. It was a nice that play. He didn't that score. didn't work. That he didn't score. But anyway, uh, just... Before we throw to the interview, there's a couple other things I want to get to. Uh, the newsiest part of the day. Oh, my God, Charlie. Twitter's in an uproar. I, I'm shocked. Charlie Twitter tweeted uproar? something. Well, I never. <laughs> Travis Kinecki leaves practice early today, uh -oh. uh, which led me to respond to you with the eyes emoji. Yeah, like, you're oh, just, you're stirring people up. You know I'm what you're stirring doing. You, up. you know what you're doing. I'm stirring you up because you get so annoyed. at it. <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> well, how other people respond is not my responsibility. Well, I felt bad because what happened and it, it did seem like this was probably the play they were doing rushes. Then Konechny was on what essentially amounted to a breakaway because Mark Stahl got beat. And then as, Konechny is going in to make his move. Mark Stahl made some contact with him from behind. It wasn't severe. It wasn't like he knocked him over. It wasn't dirty. There maybe got maybe got like his arm in there a little bit, like twisted him a little bit, but like nothing out of the ordinary. So I tweeted that that's where I saw Konechny show his first signs of discomfort. And then people go like screaming at Mark Stahl. It's like, I didn't mean to get everyone angry at Mark Stahl. This is just, this is just hockey. Like, don't get mad at the guy. He did nothing wrong. Konechny looks like he might have tweaked something. Charlie I guess we'll see if it's Mark serious Stahl, or not. But, like, I felt bad that people were losing their shit on Mark Stahl for something. Like, he did nothing wrong. It well, just happens. It's perfect hockey. Perfect storm. I, like, we did the interview this morning. I saw you tweet that from practice. And I was just like, oh, let's make it trade speculation. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up from my nap and saw everyone was mad about Mark Stahl. Like, yeah, everyone does. Mark Stahl well, first, the, half the people were, were quote tweeting me being like, oh, my God, they're going to trade Konechny. Another half was Twitter is so freaking weird, man, we because half the people on Twitter were quote tweeting me and saying that they were going to trade for Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. Because, I guess, because I guess there was a bit this morning about the Penguins trading away their stars. Like, what, what, what is going happening? on? People are it's silly season, man. I'd rather insane. be I'd rather be in this conversation than like Oh, we're gonna yeah. go get Andrew McDonald and that'll sure up the blue line for the playoff push. Like, like, like I'd like, rather be like, in this do, world. Do people I feel like <laughs> Some people watch my Twitter feed and they're like, I don't understand why Charlie sometimes talks down to people. It's like, have you seen my fucking mentions? It's it's constant insanity all the time. It is going to wear on anyone. Like, no, they're not going to trade for Sidney Crosby. Why am I having 10 people quote or tweet me making this point? It's nuts. <laughs> It's awesome. What if they did? What, what if, if they, they did? What if they did that? <laughs> Who says I don't no? even know what this show's about, people. No. Um, so the other piece of news, I don't know how newsy it is, but it was kind of just reiterated by uh, Darren Dreger this week, uh, talking about the Flyers working on a contract extension 
with Nick Sealer. We kind of we were kind of told this weeks ago, like, oh yeah, he's he's staying. Yeah, yeah. they they seem to they want to at least explore the possibility yeah. of keeping him. Yeah, and the quote was uh, most of the talk around the Philadelphia Flyers is on right shot defenseman Sean Walker, but Nick Sealer has been out there from the get-go as well. Uh, however, management will confirm in Philadelphia, as will agent Pat Brisson, that they have engaged in contract extension discussions. Do you think this is... Um, remember Lawton a few years ago? It was like, we're either going to trade you or you're signing an extension. Like, if someone calls up and is like, hey, we got two seconds for Nick Sealer. It's like, well, you better take that. Well, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. And if no one does that, it's like, yeah, we'll give you, you know, a fourth next year. Nah. All right, well, guess what? We're keeping him for three years. Like, I, do you think it's that, or no, they're a little more? I, I, I would not say this is a comparable case to the Lawton case because okay. I do think the Lawton case was either we're trading you or we're signing you. Like they had deals lined up where if they could not come to an agreement with Lawton, he was getting shipped out on trade deadline mm -hmm. day. That was just what was going to happen. Okay. Whereas I don't think that's the case with Sealer. I think with Sealer, it's more like they would like to keep him. I think even if they don't re-sign him, they would strongly consider keeping him because they think he's important to the culture and everything like that. And just, you know, because it's not like Walker. Where with Walker, you can the hope on their part if they trade him is they can get a first round pick or some type of equivalent value in terms of young player, or whatever, or you get a second round pick or a solid prospect, something like that. With Sealer, it's like you might get a fourth. And in that case, like, would I rather have the fourth? Yeah, probably, but it's not gonna kill you if you don't get the fourth, especially if they're looking at it and they're saying Nick Sealer bring something to the table that this team is going to need for the stretch run if they want to potentially make the playoffs. So I think the the situations are a bit different. I do, however, think that dating back to early January, this was always in their heads that they would like to bring back Nick Sealer. We've discussed this where I personally would not. I worry a little bit about it blocking younger yep. players. I worry about the asset management aspect of it. However, re-signing Nick Sealer to a sub $3 million per year contract for a couple years, it's not going to kill them. And they really like Nick Sealer and they think he's integral to the culture. So like, this doesn't shock me that they... They they telegraphed this. They telegraphed this back in early January when, and I don't believe these rumors were coming from the Flyers. I think these rumors were coming from other teams mm -hmm. because what I think was happening was other teams were calling the Flyers and Danny was like, look, you can make offers for Nick. We'll listen. But just to let you know, we kind of have an idea. We might want to bring this guy back. And then other teams were telling guys like Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick, like, don't think that Nick Sealer is super available mm. because we've checked with Danny and he's told us like, yeah, we might bring him back. Now I think we're seeing the fruits of that where like they're legitimately now discussing bringing him back. That makes sense. Just like you look at, okay, Risto is available in certain situations, even with salary retention. He's not cheap. You look at Sean Walker, like yeah, he, he's not uh, like relative to production. I wouldn't say he's expensive, but he costs money that most teams are up against the cap. And then you look at Nick Sealer and go, well, what's he making? Yeah. Like, is he, is he at seven figures? I don't think he is right. Like, uh, yeah, I would want to acquire him too, especially if you're just looking yeah. for defensive depth and flyers like, yeah, same. Yeah, we're going to need one of these guys. I, I don't love the idea of keeping him. I think if you did what you did with all the defensemen on the roster this year, basically you should be able to create another Nick Sealer, but this is this is their plan. <laughs> I saw the uh, Walker and Sealer together as a trade thing pop up again 
last week. Is there? Do you think there's anything to that, Charlie? Is that just a, a Twitter rumor? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are teams that have asked about that possibility, yeah. especially if the Flyers are saying to teams that want Sean Walker, that are like, hey, we want a first-round pick for Sean Walker. A team comes back to them and says, well, we won't give you a first for Walker, but we might give you a first for that whole pair. It at least might have them think about it. Mm, interesting. The uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the Jonesy interview, uh, we talked a little after uh, Saturday's or Wednesday's game, excuse me, about this being a, a two-line team right now. And with Tyson Forster, who was back at practice, not wearing the non-contact in a regular yeah, jersey. He practiced in full. Practiced in full. Uh, like, without Tyson Forster and without Bobby Brink, uh, you know, on the NHL roster, this team has very little in the middle six. Yeah. And like Garnet Hathaway and that line has kind of emerged. It's a third line right now. Ultimately, like I like Paling, Cates, and Hathaway. Those are all pretty good players. And then John Tortorella very them, much likes that line. I would love them as a fourth that's line. That's my thing. Like, that's like a perfect yeah, fourth line. Yeah, that's the perfect, perfect. fourth yeah. line. Third line? Uh, yeah, third. It's like, oh, so we don't. Who's our second? You know, yeah, <laughs> it's, a little bit well, of a it's like Cam Atkinson. You know, well, like, one of the things that is hurting them right now is that, especially over the last maybe week and a half, you know, actually it's the C, but Couture has been playing as well. His line has not been playing yeah. as well. Like Owen Tippett is going to get his chances because he's Owen Tippett. He's going to create chances on his own. Couture isn't has been playing his best. He's acknowledged that to us. And Cam, Cam Atkinson, Atkinson is, really isn't playing his best. God, I'm so tired I think tired he is, and that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, but I just, like, looking at Brink down in the uh, in the AHL, he's got four goals and seven points, 22 shots on goal in nine games down there, last I checked, which was like a night or two ago. Um, we have Ula Lixell kind of just chilling. No, no reason he's up here. He's yeah. not playing for the Phantoms. He's just... Chilling, hanging out. Um, well, now these, he's not. He's sent down. He's yeah. sent now. He's they yeah. sent him down. Uh, just in the past couple yes, of games, he was just chilling. Um, uh, that would be a good spot for the Coors read, but we have mortgage CS first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, what I know, trying to d decide what the hell uh, John Tortorella is doing with this lineup is like. It's John Tortorella. He's going to do what he wants. Exactly. But what the hell is like? Is that is, is that it? We just like we can have this discussion, but it's pointless because John's going to do what he wants. Well, this is the thing that I found annoying about these comments regarding the lines that he doesn't like. First of all, I don't know how you can't like that Frost Faraby connecting line. It's fucking great. <laughs> Who was the first name you said, Kelly? <laughs> and if you if you break it up, you're insane, legitimately. But like, they don't have to go eleven seven. Do I think that Bobby Brink would come up here and somehow break games and be some kind of difference maker? Probably not. Would it be nice to see what he looks like in the middle six again? Yeah, it would. Would you then be able to roll four entire hockey lines? Yes, you could. Maybe stop limiting yourself. Like you're doing this to yourself. The reason why the lines keep getting jumbly is because you don't have a guy. You're missing a guy. Put one on there. Any guy. Just put one. Especially, especially now with Risto out. Yeah, like you don't. Have there to was do a this. reason you were going seven, and yeah. whether you agreed with it or not, it was it was a good enough reason. It, okay, yeah, yeah, got it. Right. You have seven defensemen; they all need Fine. to play. Um, yeah, now, now Mark like, Stahl is yeah. not one of those seven. Yeah, do no. they really he does not need, need to play? And really we were shown Mark that over the last four months, in which he did not play. Yeah, yeah, and, and like 
the only thing I could think of was that, well, maybe they want to showcase him a little bit, but also like, even if, even if somebody trades for, that's not even that. It's just like, even if you want to trade for Mark Stahl, and I honestly, I somehow I become a Mark Stahl defender. He's been pretty good this year. He's been fine. He's been He's been a perfectly fine number seven. If you're looking for just defensive depth, like you get into the playoffs when everyone's basically allowed to beat each other over the head with clubs and you need a defenseman. Sure. You can do worse than Mark Stahl. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I do not think it's it's indefensible for another team to have scouted Mark Stahl and say, you know what, like, as a number seven, sure, yeah. we'll toss you a sixth-round pick for yeah. him. That's fine. Something. But cool. the thing is, is, like, I don't think it makes any sense for the Flyers to be showcasing Mark Stahl because they just so desperately need to add another sixth-round pick before the deadline. Like, what this 11-7 is doing for them right now, and again, they're winning games, so I don't want to be too hypercritical yeah, because yeah. it's leading to wins. However... You've got the Couturier line struggling because Couturier is struggling and because now he's got Atkinson, who's been even worse. You have the Frost line has been good. Mm-hmm. Even if Torres doesn't think so, I thought it was good against, against the, good. the Blackhawks. Yeah. The Paling line has been good. That, that line seems to have clicked. Mm-hmm. And then you have a fourth line that isn't a fourth line. So you just have Lawton fitting in wherever, or maybe they double shift Tippett, but then yeah. when they double shift Tippett, Delorier is out there and Delorier isn't that good anymore. Oh, no. So you, you've you kind of set yourself up for, okay, you're only going to have two functional lines until Couturier figures it back out again or catches breath or whatever is wrong because you don't have a fourth line and that's your decision because yeah. you insist upon playing Mark Stahl and why? Right. I don't think he's been bad, but he doesn't have to be in the lineup. You've yeah. seen for the last three months, you don't need him in the lineup to win games. Yeah, you're mad at yourself, bud. Like, just stop, stop doing hitting this. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Stop <laughs> hitting yourself, John. You don't uh, have before to. we throw it to the interview, I want to point out a uh, super chat here from LCJ. Hey. And he says, Trade Rista. Is that the super chat? I guess that's <laughs> that it. The super uh, chat? I would love that. I would be a big fan us. of them trading Rasmus Rista Linen. Um, I don't know. I just don't know who's going to take him at that price. Maybe well, it's, it's, the, not, it's not even the price. It's the fact that he's injured. Yeah, and that, right now he's injured. That so, messes it up, too. Yeah, well, it's and it's not that that will prevent him from ever being traded. But why, for a guy who is injured right now, it's unclear when he's going to play, if he's going to play the rest of the year. We'll see. No one really knows for sure. I think they're still trying to figure out how long this is going to take along the recovery process. But if you are a team that is looking to be active at the trade deadline, why would you prioritize a guy who you might not actually be able to use after the trade deadline? Wouldn't you wait until the offseason if yes. you're actually interested? And in there is there is my plan of basically doing the Vegas Golden Knights thing. Mm. Trade for him while he's on LTIR. You got him for free there against the cap. Activate him when the playoffs start. Boom, playoff Risto. Boom. You never paid him if, until next well, season. You paid him. You just didn't pay him. Yeah, on you the didn't cap. pay him against you the cap. His, you had yes. to pay his. You had to pay his salary. He gets paid still. <laughs> You're not uh, getting just, for actual. Just, did free. you see? Did just real quick? Uh, Vegas yeah. man, they want to be active at the trade deadline, but uh, oh, oh shit, Mark Stone's hurt. His spleen, fuck. What are the chances? I, mean, I, I can't imagine they're faking a lacerated spleen. Yeah. It Me neither. Like a, it sounds like one you can fake. Like, yeah. what are the symptoms of lacerated spleen? You can't see it anywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, nothing I'm, shady ever happens in Las allegedly. Vegas. I'll tell you. Amazing. All right. Uh, we are, <laughs> we are going to throw it now. Can you tell it's Friday? We are going <laughs> to throw it now to our uh, interview from earlier today with Keith Jones. So hang out for that, and then we will be back when it is over. Hey, everybody. How you doing? 
Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers. We have a very special interview today. We are joined by the president. That's right, we're sitting down with the president of hockey operations, the Poho himself, Mr. Keith Jones. How's it going today, Jones? Everything's great, Bill. I was feeling a little bit tired, and then your voice just woke me up. So <laughs> that's what I'm here. You to still do. got it, kid. You that's, still got it. I'm, I'm still. It's the overnight energy. I love me. it. I love it, Jonesy. Just uh, just to get things started here, we're going to get into some of the things that have happened, some of the things that are coming up. But this next month's schedule. Man, you have some teams. You see the Rangers twice, Tampa twice, Florida twice, Boston, the Leafs a couple more times. You kind of got to be excited to see where this team's going to be in uh, a month from it, now. It's a great test for our players, there's no doubt. And this year we wanted to have meaningful games in the latter part of the season. Well, we have them. And we have opponents that will be favored going up against us, which I think is a benefit to us. Uh, we have played really well against really good teams. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great experience for our younger players to have the opportunity to play in important games. It's going to be really imperative that they have, that, have those opportunities and they learn from those opportunities. I think it's going to pay dividends down the road. So one thing that they'll have in these important games is a formal captain. This was one of the big pieces of news over the last few weeks. Sean Couturier was named captain. Travis Konechny got the, uh, the A to match uh, Scott Lawton as well. Um, but I want to talk to you about because at the start of the season, when we talked to John Tortorella, he was pretty adamant that he wasn't going to be giving out the C, at least not this year. So, it, But it appears from, from my understanding, this was pretty much all towards this decision to, to give it out now. What is your understanding of kind of what changed his mind to want to give it out at this point? I think part of it is where the team is at. Um, playing meaningful games right now. Uh, most importantly, it's where Sean is at as far as towards observing, watching him for the first time in a situation where Coots is playing. Obviously, last year he was not. Uh, nobody leads from the locker room. You have to be playing. So I, I think he wanted to see some of that. He also wanted to make sure that Coots was in a place where he wasn't just worrying about getting back to playing anymore. You know, I think that was the most important thing when you've missed two years, kind of unimaginable that he was out that long, uh, to come back and have a C put on your jersey when you're just trying to get through on a nightly basis to get your feet back on underneath you as far as your skating legs and all the little things that go with the game. I think that was probably one of the bigger reasons why Torts waited. And then once he recognized that uh, Sean was in a great place. The team was playing very well, and Sean was leading the way as far as playing the right way and the things that he's communicating to his teammates in the locker room. I think towards uh, having you know, first-hand knowledge of all of those things uh, made him feel like it was the right time to make him the captain. How did you guys all find out as an organization that, that Torts wanted to do this? Did he kind of just spring it on you randomly? Was it something that was discussed so, for weeks? No, it wasn't discussed for weeks. It was just something that he brought up to us, uh, I would say a day or two before it happened. And uh, of course, Danny and I were all for it. Um, I kind of felt like he would be the captain before the season started. So I was happy to hear that um, Torts saw it that way as well. Um, and then for Travis to be an alternate captain, he, is, he has proven to be an extremely important player, not just in the way that he performs, but the way that he can bring other people with him, uh, bring you into the fight, so to speak, other players. Um, he has a level of maturity in his game now that 
deserves to be rewarded. Um, and I think our players have, you know, the utmost, utmost respect for the way that he has played the game and then the way he acts as well. So very deserving for, for him to be an alternate captain also. You mentioned, obviously, TK, <coughs> Sean, the, the third member of that leadership core, the guy who already had the A going into the year, Scott Lawton. He's been the subject of trade rumors over, over the last month. I suspect that he's one of the guys that Torres has probably talked to about them in, in anticipation of the deadline. We talked a little bit about this last month when, when we had you on, um, just the idea of subtractions and what they can do potentially to the team. With Lawton in particular, do you worry at all that he might be too important to the room in order to remove, given his leadership role? Like, socially, he's obviously very popular. He also plays with the kind of traditional flyer style that, that you guys love. Is he a guy that you kind of don't want to lose for that reason, or do you not worry too much? Uh, definitely don't want to lose him for those reasons. I mean, he has done a lot for this franchise. It would be an overpay from someone to come in and take Scott Lawton away from us. Um, but you understand why there's interest in him. He's a centerman, which is obviously a great thing. He has playoff experience. He has played better in the bigger games, uh, including recently for us, which is a great thing. Um, there's so many qualities that Scott Lawton has that teams that are in a window right now where they feel like they need to win this year or next year are going to come looking for them. So we have to listen. We have to, you know, stay tuned in to exactly what's going on around the league and understand that we have a valuable player. Um, and that's how we view it. So we listen. Scott's well aware of it. We're in communication with him all the time. Uh, Danny and I are around all the time, the players, which is great. And uh, there's nothing hidden around here. It's a compliment to Scott Lawton that so many teams are interested in him. Do you think uh, it was important to formalize the leadership group going into a time of the year where there might be subtractions from the group that got you here, whether it's Scott Lawton or some of the pending UFAs, whoever it might be. Yeah, I don't think that played into it. I think Torch just decided that it was time to have a captain and uh, that it was time for TK to be an alternate captain. Uh, I don't believe that that was part of his reasoning behind his decision. Um, we haven't had a conversation about that, but that's my, my guess from the outside. Uh, and we did not, Danny or I, feel internally that it was important to do that for those reasons. Uh, we're very happy with the way that Scott has led for as long as he has and uh, look forward to seeing how this uh, group emerges here in the next couple of weeks. This is kind of, I guess, a jumping off the, the Lawton discussion, but we're now two weeks away from the trade deadline. The Flyers are still in playoff position, and not just in playoff position, but you guys are seven points up. Now, obviously, there are some games in hand and whatnot, but you, you have a, a decent edge going into this stage of the season. Do you buy it all into the concept of the team has earned the right to stay together, or does that not really enter it's, your It's a great question, because I, I knew as, and I think back on my playing days, that did matter to me. Um, but I think when you have an, an organization that has been as transparent as we have been on where we're at, uh, we're not staring at the standings. This year is obviously an important year to establish, you know, who we are, our, our structure, our culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, but this wasn't about winning a Stanley Cup this year. And we've been clear from the start about that. Um, I think that is something our players hear. You know, they pay attention to everything that's going on. I always did as a player myself. And I think because of that, uh, we're not going to move away from that 
level of thinking. So if the deals are right, we're going to make them. Uh, we want to continue to play well, play hard, and uh, you know, continue to impress our fans. But at the same time, we're still looking at the future. So it is a balancing act. There's no question about that. But it's not something that we're saying we got to we got to reward these guys for the way that they played. Although I did think that way as a player. Is it having the pulse of the team like? Do they feel like they're living in two worlds where they're competing every night, but things are going to be treated a, as if maybe not? I don't get that sense. Like when I talk to the guys, especially some of the guys that are in the headlines pretty much every day, um, they're focused on playing. It's, when you play, like it, it's the greatest time of your life. And when you're playing with guys that you're enjoying playing with and you're winning hockey games and you're surprising people and you know, you're the underdog, it's, it's a great it's a great thing to be a part of. So I don't think anyone wants to leave. I think everybody's really enjoyed playing here. I think they've been appreciated by us and our fan base. And uh, you know, it's Philly. They, they like a team that is, you know, driven to do well and, you know, over exceed expectations. And our guys have done that and they deserve a lot of credit for it. Uh, moving to another guy who's been in the in the reports over the last month or so, Sean Walker, and he obviously has been a great find for you guys. You know, key member of that second pair with, with Nick Sealer, really strong, actually underlying numbers as well. But he's passed the eye test. There have been some reports recently that you know you guys are open, at least in theory, to the idea of maybe bringing him back next season. From the outside, it does look like you guys are very deep on the right side, especially with the acquisition of Jamie Drysdale, Travis Sanheim moving to the right side primarily, you got Oliver Bonk coming, Risto under contract for three more years. So I think some fans hear that and they don't quite understand, they might like Sean Walker, but they maybe don't quite understand where he would fit in the long term. I guess, you know, where would you envision, if you guys thought about bringing him back, could he fit? He could. I mean, he's, he is a, without question, a top four defenseman. and. He's a really bright guy. Like for a player to come in here with everything on the line and to be solely focused on doing the right thing for his team on every night, uh, that's something that's really impressive to us. Um, I, I think he's a really good player. I mean a really, really good player. So there is something that we definitely have to consider all you know, aspects of potential deal and keeping him and then bringing him back if he was moved. I mean, there's so many moving parts with this, but he is someone that we would absolutely be comfortable with and keeping around based upon how good of a player he is. At some point, you have to break it down, you know, game by game, play by play, and realize just how important he has been to us being where we're at today. Um, he's done all those things, and he deserves a lot of credit for that under adverse circumstances. So came into a new team, he didn't know anybody, except a couple guys he might have worked out with, and he has fit in seamlessly. So there's, a, there's so many great things that have happened for us you know, presented by Sean Walker's strong play that it does give you pause to think about the future. But he's valuable to a lot of other teams right now as well, and we have to listen to everything that's out there also. Yeah, I want to uh, stay on the right side of the blue line. Just when we last talked, it was shortly after you acquired Jamie Drysdale, and he popped right away. It was, oh, that skating ability, wow, that is something you see immediately. And 
the coach has been a little, I wouldn't say critical of his play, but he's been honest about his play. Where do you think Jamie Drysdale is right now in terms of his development and how far I, he has to go? I think he's in a really good place to become a really great player. Um, he's not there yet. I think he's aware of that. He's going to be pressed hard in practice and in games to, you know, learn maybe a different part of the game that he hadn't been taught before. And that's something that this coaching staff and Brad Shaw, a big part of that on the blue line, has done a great job with for us um, in developing our, def our defensemen, including Ristolainen last year and all the great work that happened with him as far as becoming a better defensive defenseman. That's the area that Jamie will learn. He hasn't played a lot of meaningful games. He was brought up early to Anaheim and that was not a great winning environment. So that's part of the process. Uh, Jamie is for the future. And what's happening now is bonus. The fact that he's playing important games is huge. Um, but the most important thing is where Jamie's going to be in a couple years down the road. And we have high hopes for him. I've heard you mention a couple of times last time we talked, you think Jamie was brought up too early to the NHL. How big of a part of development do you think that is, is having guys on the right schedule? It's huge, especially at that position, you know being a defenseman, a right-handed defenseman that's being asked to do a lot offensively, there's a lot of pressure that goes with that too. Um, so yeah, I do think it's important that players get the appropriate amount of time in the minors or play longer in junior, whatever it might be. But it's, it's a big jump for a defenseman to go from playing junior hockey to playing on a team in the National Hockey League. And if you're a high pick, you're probably going on to a team that's not in a position to win a lot of games. So I do think that some bad habits could, uh, there's a risk of bad habits uh, creeping in. So yeah, de the development part of it's really important. And uh, I, th I think that's something we're focused on with some of our younger defensemen, uh, like Oliver Bonk. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he becomes, but really happy he's in a position to develop in a great program in London right now. Uh, moving on, we only have a couple more questions for you, Jonesy, but uh, for a, a more difficult topic, obviously over the past month, you know, Carter Hart took the indefinite leave of absence. Now he was charged with sexual assault in London. Dan Danny's made it clear that you guys are going to you know, wait to see how the process plays out, that the NHL is kind of taking the lead on it, but it doesn't seem like the trial is going to necessarily be resolved soon. And Carter's contract expires at the end of the year. He's an RFA. I'm just curious, just from, you know, in terms of the fans kind of wondering what's going to happen, is this a situation where you guys will probably retain his rights in the here and now, or is it I don't unknown? know. Yeah, it's unknown. And, and we're really just letting that process play out because it's obviously a very serious matter that's out of our hands right now. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. The, uh, just switch things up a little bit. Coming out of Saturday's stadium series, would have been nice to get a win in that, but it's, a, it's, a, it's always fun when the Flyers are in the outdoor games. They've had six. They're actually tied with uh, Chicago and I think Boston for the most. What does that mean for the organization to be like a regular choice in these yeah, games? Yeah, it's obviously it's flattering because it's telling you you have a fan base that can sell out a huge stadium. I mean, you're not, they're not taking a team that's not going to make it something that's interesting to the fan base to get out and watch. So um, our fan base is getting back to where we want it to be. We're still not there. We have room for others to join in. Uh, we're always looking to make sure that we're providing an interesting team for them to follow and a team that they can be proud of. But uh, being 
you know, present in those games is a compliment to the organization. Uh, we'd like to have some bigger and better ones down the road as well. Um, but how we play and how many fans are showing up to watch us play will dictate whether we're getting those games. So I think we're on the right track. We're getting there, but we want to make sure we do the right things to be competitive for a long time. Does the team look to those big event games as something they just got to get through because it's part of the job? Or is it more fun, like it's something to be excited about? I, I think it's fun. I, I do. I, I think from the organization standpoint, you want to get everything right. You want to make sure the players and their wives have a great time, their families enjoy every bit of it. So I think logistically there's some challenges, but the, the bottom line is you want to make sure it's a great day for them, an opportunity to you know, demonstrate our game in front of a huge audience and have a chance to go out there and perform on you know, an outdoor rink in front of a gigantic crowd and, and make some things happen. Unfortunately, we lost that one, but we'll try to win one in the future. You just gotta, we got the one win. The, the one that's right. One That's right. Win, but yeah. Was that, that, that the link? Was that the link? Yeah. 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 But in, in the future, you know, we'll hopefully turn that record around. Yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> Before we went live, we were talking about something going on with the Philly media right now where some players on the Eagles are like, hey, you know, I think it's kind of the media's fault why things fall apart in this city. And considering the complete lack of success in this town for like 30 years, you have a unique perspective player, national and local media member. Now you're running one of the teams. Is it our fault? Is it the media's no, fault? No, it's not. It's here? a great part Should of I it. take the blame? It takes a special athlete to play here. That's how it is. So I, I've been a member of the media for a long time and was. Um, I think the media pushes us to to get the right type of players for the city. I, I do think it's a unique place. There's no question about that. It's a fun place when you're winning. It's the best. Um, but it's challenging too and at the same time. So I, I know it. I know the market well. So hopefully that serves us well here with the Flyers. I think that's, uh, that's everything we have for you, awesome. Jesse. But uh, thanks so much again for, uh, for joining Good us. Good to catch up. Obviously, it's going to be a, a busy next couple weeks leading up to, uh, to March 8th. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Or the 10th. Or the 10th. See you, guys. Take thanks, it easy, Thank you. That was our interview from earlier today with Keith Jones. It'll be up on the YouTube page as its own thing, so you can watch it at your leisure or you know watch the whole show again. That's cool too. Whatever to boost my numbers. That's what I'm most. That's what I'm most interested. Well, now in. you get to hear us breaking yeah. down what Keith Jones said today. So. Uh, before we go any further, I gotta tell you about our friends at Mortgage CS. You hear me lead off this and every show, telling you we are presented by Mortgage CS. And listen, the uh, the spring purchase market is heating up quickly, and many clients, especially first-time homebuyers, are reaching out to our friends at Mortgage CS because they want to be ready when rates drop. If you're paying attention at all, you know, yeah, maybe the interest rate's a little high right now. You're not ready quite to get into that home-buying market, but as soon as they start to drop, you want to be ready to pounce. This is a good idea. You are also not the only one with this idea. So to be as ready as you can be, you got to hit up Mortgage CS right now because there is going to be limited inventory and strong demand 
competition will remain extremely fierce for home buying. Last time rates were real low. I bought a house and uh, I got to tell you, it wasn't easy. It took a lot. It, it was, oh yeah, you like this house. Well, so do 14 other people who <laughs> saw it. It's gone. Who saw it this afternoon. I'm like, but it, it just got listed today. Yeah, they beat you here. Yeah, that's, and that's what it's going to be like because so many people have been waiting. So you want to get in touch with Mortgage CS now and you can see the uh, number at the bottom of our screen if you're listening on pod 267-391-7425. You can get in touch with Mortgage CS's CEO directly. That's right. Anytime, day or night, call or text CEO Ben Stucker, and he will get back to you whether you want to talk about, okay, what do I have to do to get into the uh, home buying process? If you've already kind of started, yeah, I'm not quite sure about my broker right now. He can uh, he can help you out with that. Or listen, you're like, yeah, well, shouldn't shouldn't they trade Scott Lawton? He'll have a, he'll have an answer for you on that one too. You can hit up Ben Stucker, Stucker anytime, day or night. But the most important thing is that you are ready to jump in to the uh, into the mortgage market when you are ready, because when you hear the word mortgage. Mortgage CS wants you to think of them. Think of Ben and Alex. Save Ben's telephone number. Again, 267-391-7425. Or email Ben at ben at mortgagecs.com. You can call or text him anytime, day or night. And talk Philly sports, whatever you want to do. Or check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started today. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com for more information. All right. I uh, I think we should start with Scott Lawton uh, coming out of that Jonesy interview. The Scott Lawton stuff. The most important thing. It would have to be an overpay. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. This is, they have set their price. We know what we want. We have a bar. If you are unwilling to meet that bar, Scott Lawton will remain a flyer. Yes. Is that not how we should yes. understand that? 100%. Absolutely. And this does, it makes sense based on what Scott Lawton has said in the media because this was a few weeks ago was when these rumors first started coming out. I did a piece on it. Uh, breaking down you know Lawton and the fact that the development of other guys in the in the lineup guys like Paling you know in terms of the role they play and then guys like Connect Me and Farabee in terms of leadership you know maybe makes them more willing now than they were back in the summer to listen on Scott Lawton I absolutely absolutely think that's true but I remember when I interviewed him it was at the start of this and Lawton basically told me I haven't had a conversation with him yet I know the door is open. I know I can have that conversation. Right now, I've just kind of been putting my head down. Well, then about a week or so later, Lawton said, and I don't believe I was in this interview, but I read it. It was by another uh, another person who covers the Flyers, said that Lawton had told this person that, yes, I have had the conversation now, and I now know where I stand. And it, the way he said it, it seemed like he was more or less saying, I feel pretty good. I'm not going to get traded. And it would make sense if... He was told in an internal conversation, like, look, Scott, we're not going to tell you we're not going to trade you. We will tell you that we are not trying to trade you. We will trade you if someone overpays for you. If another team likes you as much or as much as we do, which is quite a bit, yeah. they might be able to get you. Like that's that yeah. seems like what it's coming it, down it to. It really does. That's the read that I got from this. That like, look, if you want to give us a first round pick and something else, yeah, we'll give you Scott Lawton because 
and, and this was actually the other interesting part about the Lawton stuff, where he basically said teams that are in a window and feel like they have to win this year or next year, they might be willing to overpay for Scott Lawton. And if they will, we'll listen. But he's more or less saying that ain't us. Yeah. It, it is going to be extremely funny, whether it's Scott Lawton, Sean Walker, whoever ends up getting traded when they sell a player to a team below them in the standings that is going ahead it's well these teams think their window is right now we've won more games than them (laughs) but you know they uh they gave us some assets for one of our guys i find that very funny but the um it's abundantly clear that they still value they value scott Scott Lawton. they believe that because I, I see people in the comments saying, oh, he hasn't scored that many points, whatever. They view him as integral to the culture that they're building, and they see him as providing a lot of intangible value, even if this year he's had a disappointing year by the numbers and by the eye test. And I want to get to the Jamie Drysdale conversation in a little bit, but just listening to the way they talk about him, it kind of explains their entire rebuild and development strategy. Like, oh yeah, Jamie, he got called up a little early and then he played on a shit team. Mm-hmm. And like, you know what happens when you're playing in games that doesn't matter if you win or lose? You, you form bad habits. And that's kind of why they care so much about, yeah. like like Jonesy yeah. said, whether you want to call it structure, you want to call it culture, whatever it is, they don't think you can build a winning team by losing. It's very clear. You can agree or disagree yeah. with that, but this is very clearly what they believe to be true. And I think that's like... Yeah, if someone's going to give you anything for Scott Lawton, like dude's 30 and he ain't that good, do it. And they're like, it's not that simple. This isn't a video game. It's kind of interesting. Like it, it makes me wonder because we talk a lot about like, okay, they're rebuilding. How are they going to get the top end talent that they need? They keep saying that they need it, but they're not going to tank to get it in the draft. Maybe they are going to look for these young guys on shitty teams that are kind of reclamation projects. And maybe they think that they'll be able to turn them around in some way like i'm not saying they're definitely going to do it but it it does make me think like that could be a path that they could pursue to try and get the high-end talent that they're missing if you're going after a guy like drysdale who's only 21 super high pick but has been underperforming on a shitty team and you think you can fix him like that's not a a bad strategy I, i think that is absolutely part of it in that they do believe that if they can keep this strong culture Mm -hmm. and if the coaching staff continues to show the ability to you know take guys like owen tippett and turn him into you know legitimate 30 goal scorer type quality players that they have the ability to take on reclamation project that said and this is an important thing to remember yes you can go for reclamation projects but reclamation projects that have high-end upside yes, yes, still yes. cost a lot. Of course, like, yeah. like, yes, Jamie Drysdale does plausibly have great upside. They had to give up Cutter Gauthier to get him. So you're not necessarily, like, even Owen Tippett, who we talk about, like, yeah, the Flyers, great trade. They did a great job buying low on him. They still had to give up Claude freaking Giroux to get him. Yeah. Like, you're not, you can go for reclamation projects, and I absolutely think they should do that, 100%. But the reclamation projects that everyone knows have the upside to be the kinds of high-end talent that we're talking about, they ain't going to come cheap even as reclamation projects. That's fair. I, uh, the other thing that stood out in part of the, that answer, and really from the beginning of the interview, when I set it up like, hey, this weekend and really this next month of games, big test. And Jonesy said, yeah, we're excited to see where they are and all that, but also we're not staring at the standings. No. They do not give a shit. Not a little bit. <laughs> do you think maybe that's a uh, 
an expectation that over this next month the wheels maybe fall off a little? I, I mean, just with no, so many tough I, games. I, honestly, no. I really don't because they're in a pretty good spot right now. They they could fall off a little bit and still make the playoffs. No, they could get like 15 points in 15 I mean, games did, and be did fine. Did you watch the Devils against the Rangers last night? They don't look that great. The Penguins are a dumpster <laughs> the fire. Penguins like stink. the the Islanders have like all of their points in overtime <laughs> games. These are not teams that are firing all, on all cylinders no. chasing the Flyers. There's a scenario where the Flyers do drop off and they still they get still in the make playoffs. It. No, the gap <laughs> between the Flyers and the rest of the Metro teams especially, like if you're going to stay in that third spot in the Metro, like the Flyers have to lose out, and that's not lose out. That's an exaggeration. I just mean like for the wheels to fall off, and they then like fall all off. four have to come yeah. off, and they have to stop. And then one of these teams that kind of looks like they're not good right now has, has to be to get going. considerably yeah. better. Yeah. It's not like well, if we just stay the course, we can catch the Flyer. No, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> like the Devils have to make a deal and get better, or yeah. like continue getting the goaltending that they didn't get all year, but they're getting now for basically just the outdoor game. Uh, like. So, uh, uh, like we talked about, like for them to make sense to sign Sean Walker, it's like, well, these other pieces have to fall. For the Flyers to miss the playoffs now, like three other things have to happen. Yeah. Like they have to suck. Another team has to get good. Maybe two other teams exactly. have to get good. Exactly. Like I've been I've been expecting this whole time that the Devils were going to be yeah. the team. That it, they're, they're too talented. They have too many good players. The expectations were too high going into this year. So they're going to go out the deadline and trade for a couple of good players. And then they they beat the Flyers in the stadium series, and you started to wonder, is this mm-hmm. the start of this? Mm-mm. Then they last night they go out and they look like crap. And you just think to yourself, is this team like the Flyers right now? And I still think their ceiling is limited, but they very clearly have it. Yeah. Like they have that it factor this yeah. year that allows them to overperform the talent they have. The Devils, you're wondering, do they just have the opposite of it? Are they just, for whatever reason, not coming together this year as much as they you think they should, given the guys they have? Maybe. That's And you're starting to see, like, uh, Lindy Ruff, I think, today. Yeah, blaming the media Blames for his the bad power play. The power, that like, was wild. That, oh, like, that's, can you imagine? <laughs> the Flyers have a fucking 12% power play. It's your fault, Can though. you imagine if John Tortorello was, like, he would sooner punch one of his players in the face before he was like, and he doesn't like the media, but he's, <laughs> he, he would not scapegoat them. Like, oh, you guys are just putting too much pressure. This, like, nah, like, and that's the, like, the that expectation. That was a wild comment that by Lindy Ruff. insane. Like, the expectation of the devils after they beat the rangers in the playoffs last year and now like oh man the flyers have no expectations the vibes do not it's, seem good they don't in devil's land the right things now. don't seem to match like considering where the two teams are and the legitimate top ends like trophy caliber talent that is on the devils versus like yeah, we're going to make the playoffs and we don't really want to on the floor. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we're, we're waiting it's for great. someone. It, it ain't no one catching us. Uh, the next thing I guess we got to talk about because it's the main topic, Sean Walker. Yeah. Um, it sure sounds like they're trading him. I, I know like, oh, well, you know, we're exploring all the options and he's a really good player. We'd hate to lose him. Also, we got it. We're yeah. trading him. We'll see. I think... I do think that the everyone jumping to they're going to resign him soon thing that happened earlier this week, I think that was a little much. And I think Jonesy did a good job of throwing some cold water on that. Yeah. However, Keith Jones made it clear they really they like, like Sean Walker. Yeah. I think in their ideal world, they would be able to more easily fit Sean Walker into the future. 
because I think they yeah. really like him. They really like his fit, not only in the room, but in Sean Tortorella's system. They know, like, I'm not saying that Travis Sanheim has been bad this year. I think he's been good for the vast majority of the year. He's tailed off a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, and hate the stat, like, he's like a minus 20. Like, if you're talking about who is driving the positive goal differential of the Flyers or, like, the fact that they are not getting crushed, it's mostly that second pair of Sealer and Walker. And I think there's an understanding on their part that if they trade Sean Walker, which they very well might do, somebody might offer a first-round pick. Somebody might offer one of those reclamation project-type guys that Kelly was talking about. But there's an understanding that if they trade Sean Walker, like, they legitimately might fall off dramatically because suddenly... They don't have that second pair anymore. They got Travis Sanheim, who isn't a number one, playing number one minutes. They have Jamie Drysdale, who's kind of a mess right now, getting 18, 19 minutes a night. The thing that stabilized this defense has been they always know they can go back to that Sealer-Walker pairing. You remove that from the equation, suddenly this team might lose a significant amount of games the rest of the way. I mean, but the vibe was that Jones... Jonesy doesn't think that's necessarily like and the that, worst thing. And that's fair. Yeah. That's a very fair point. It's like, listen, like these games, these wins, this getting in the playoff is just like fun bonus, but we're not trying to do it. No, like they want to play meaningful games, Yeah, but like winning them is not the priority. Right. It's just like, let's see what they do. Good yeah. luck yeah. out there. Kids. They want to win. Yeah. Like they, it's not as if this is a tanking situation. No, the, no, the, no. the Flyers want to win their games, but they're also not going to do something because they have they're to not going to deviate from their plan because it's like oh man we could be we could be the third seed in the metro in a year where we're not going to win a like yeah. yeah they don't care you don't you don't get the sense in any of these conversations when danny talks when jonesy talks when torts talks you don't get the sense that any of them and maybe they are when they go to sleep at night and they start dreaming you don't get the sense that any of them have this idea in their heads that like what well, if well why not yeah. us this year yeah. why not no there's no sense of <laughs> no like, sense of that well you know you get in anything like no one has said i mean i, I mean maybe fans they have. Of, some fans, fans are, yeah. but, but you don't get the sense that any of the brain That's, trust is thinking well are, as you said why not us if you get in anything can happen in the playoffs the flyers are not approaching the playoffs like they that. are really not looking at this like you know, you get it. Like, and you'd think you'd hear that from somebody, but there, like, Just there me. seems to be a really solid message all in this. The only people you hear Do that you? from are the players yeah. sometimes, and, and that's and they're, sure. they're yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're not hearing it from the guys actually making yeah. the decisions. Uh, just on the Walker thing and how much they like him. Do you think if the because you brought up you know the right side depth chart, yeah, um, if Sandheim's play dipping didn't coincide with his move to the left initially, at least do you think maybe they'd have a little bit more appetite for Sean Walker? Cause it's like, well, Sanheim can play the left. And then it was like, Oh no, he can't actually. He's a right side defenseman. The coach said so. Yeah. I just think that to me, this whole Walker resigning thing, and you can agree with it or you can disagree with it even in this scenario. But to me, the only way it really makes sense is if you trade Risto or you go into the trade deadline or you go into the rest of the season being confident that once the summer hits that yeah. you will be able to trade. Like, cause that's the thing just because a deal isn't executed now doesn't mean that these guys don't talk with other GMs. Like if, if Danny has had a conversation with uh, Bradshaw living from Toronto mm -hmm. that, Hey, we ain't going to trade for him now, but come June, we'll be willing to give you a second round pick and take the contract then maybe they do think, eh, you know, Walker's justifiable in that case on a two, three-year deal as a bridge to Oliver Bonk. I could see them 
thinking that. But to me, the situation they're in now, unless another shoe drops, it just doesn't make sense to resign him because where is he fit? I mean, that's kind of an important thing that I hadn't thought about until you just said that, that this trade deadline is not like the end no. of them making moves on this roster. It's so not. like if Depending, they don't yeah. do all of the things that you want them to do on March 8th, like there's a whole summer fam, like they might still do a whole bunch of stuff, a whole lot of subtracting over the course of the summer. The list of pending free agents is short. Right. Like the list of guys who are tradable is longer than that, Much especially longer. in an offseason when yeah. teams can go 10% over the cap, when the draft has passed. The cap is going up. The cap is going up. The draft has passed maybe, and GMs are like, well, that's a year away. Who gives a shit? I'm not going to have this job anyway. Yeah, here, here's a first for yeah. Cam Atkinson. And teams not that miss that's out on happen. free agents. Just, yeah. Like that, you know, if you are going for one of the free agents and you don't get him, and now you're like, okay, well, where do I get yeah. X player, like yeah, you know. a right a right shooting defenseman yeah. who hits. Would you be interested in a Rasmus Ristolainen <laughs> or and even somebody like Lawton? Where right. I know that a lot of people in Flyers world, in terms of the fan base, have maybe soured on him a bit or maybe ready to get rid of him. He is still on a reasonable cap hit, especially given the fact that over the next couple years. The contracts given out in free agency are going to look a lot bigger because yeah. the cap is going up so much. Suddenly, three million dollars for Scott Lawton ain't looking too bad for teams that are trying to stay under the cap. And like, just thinking ahead to when Florida and I like, I always love the perception of Scott Lawton. Like he plays his ass off. He's not overly physical, but it's just he like plays the grit. Yeah. Like he, he plays goes to the net. game. He yeah. does the, like he, the, he's physical paper. almost the way like Sean Couturier is like mm. uses his body, even if it's not to body check people. Like, and, and Lawton gets Lawton hits more than Coots does. He's the he first does. in on the four check yeah. and hits in that way. But like just looking forward to okay, they don't trade Scott Lawton at this deadline. Oh, not really. Toronto doesn't really want to pay the price. They want to hold on to their pick. They get the shit kicked out of them by the Florida Panthers, and suddenly oh, Ryan Reeves wasn't enough. We need exactly. Scott Lawton. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just. Or we need Rasmus Ristolainen. Or we need we need both. <laughs> How about a Nick Deloria? The cap's going up. How about we need have, all of them as a tree. You have the two <laughs> yeah. only actual. You goons. buy two, we'll give you the third one yeah. for free. How about that? <laughs> no, um, there, there's an element too, and you you mentioned this. That it's a really good point that a lot of this could prove to be set up for the off season. Mm -hmm. That will not be received well on social media. No, if the Flyers if if the Flyers trade deadline is quiet, they. Resign Nick Sealer to a two-year deal with a low cap hit. They hold on to Sean Walker because they don't get any great offers, and they hold on to, to Scott Lawton. Yeah, people will lose They're their minds. Crazy. It doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't going to trade some guys right. away at the deadline right. or not at the, at, in, in the off season. It does mean though that you missed your chance with Sealer because you resigned him, and you missed your chance with Walker because he is an expiring yeah, contract. Those are the guys you need to make a decision on one way or the other now because. They are expiring contracts. They will be pending UFAs in the summer mm -hmm. if you don't do anything with them. Look, if I still put, if I had to put money on it, I would bet that Sean Walker gets moved by the deadline. One thing that did jump out at me that that Jonesy brought up unprompted that I thought was interesting was, without us even bringing up the idea, he noted, "Hey, we could always trade Walker and bring him back in the off season." Hey, just it, it's just something that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It rarely does. But the fact that he brought it, it unprompted, it, it maybe adds a little bit of extra <laughs> info as to why they are talking numbers with Walker. Even if they decide to trade him, hmm. it gives them an idea of, hey, maybe if we 
trade Walker, get a second round pick now. Then we trade Risto in June. And maybe we reach back out to Sean Walker's camp and say, hey, you know, those numbers we threw around back in uh, in February. Come on back. Let's get back talking again. Yeah. Just All saying. Right. I, uh, I want to skip ahead to the Jamie Drysdale stuff because he's been a big topic of conversation recently. Um, the quote that stuck out, obviously, Jamie is for the future. For the future. It's, mm-hmm. They look at this guy as a prospect. Yep. They view him as a straight prospect who it's like, well, he's here. We're playing him up here. But, you know, mm-hmm. he's for the future. Everything right now with him is a bonus. I found that very, very I interesting. Just in terms of like, yeah, we're playing him because like, who else who are we going to play? Yeah, what else are we going right. to do? He's got more talent than anyone we have, yeah. but he's not a finished product by any means. No, and I think that they definitely want him here with Brad Shaw yeah. getting the treatment that Jonesy men- mentioned Risto getting better because of Brad Shaw specifically. And that's what they're going to do with Drysdale. They're going to fix him into the best virtual. Like I have all the confidence in the world that this coaching and training staff is going to turn him into the best possible version of what he could be. What that is. I don't know, but I don't think that they're, that him playing here with these players in these meaningful games with this coaching staff, he's not going to be limited in any way. I guess like there's been some consternation about the fact that Drysdale, especially after the first few games where he really looked good, has dropped off. And I agree. He hasn't been that great by the numbers. He's struggled. I think uh, Jay, Jay Fresh posted, posted on Twitter the card, and some people went crazy on that. Uh, from both sides some people are like oh god the flyers got a, a bomb some guys went crazy on jay fresh being like how dare you <laughs> some people don't understand what any of that stuff means nah. so just look at the reactions there to see go. what it means hi bill yeah <laughs> but anyway. colors and numbers <laughs> but my point is is that my view of it has always been i don't think drysdale's played that well so far however i'm not worried yet because to me and this was, as what Jonesy said in this interview, this year is kind of gravy to them. And I think an interesting way to look at the Drysdale acquisition and how they're viewing him is the way they got him. They got him for Cutter Gautier. This is essentially, that trade is them swapping in Drysdale into the key role in the organization's future that they had Cutter Gauthier put it. They never thought Cutter Gauthier was going to help this team this year. Even if Cutter Gauthier would have woken up one day in November and decided, I love the Flyers again. I'm going <laughs> to sign. Even in that scenario, he was not going to help the team win anything this year, really. The best case scenario would have been maybe you get him for a week or two at the end of the regular season. and Maybe if you get him in the playoffs, he can help out. You never know. They are viewing him as the Gauthier replacement. Therefore, Anything Drysdale provides the Flyers this season in terms of win losses is gravy because they were never viewing that asset as something that was going to help them this year anyway. So maybe we all need to chill a little bit with Jamie's with Jamie Drysdale. And I think a lot of the fan base, a lot of the fan base (laughs) probably needs to chill a little bit. Yeah. Uh, They will. There is zero chill. There will never be chill. And that's why. That's why you just need to crack open an ice cold Coors oh, Light. Hell yeah. That's how you do it. If you, if this team just has you absolutely nuts, which it does many of us on a regular basis. It is what it all is. All you have to do, open up that fridge, see those, mount, uh, see those mountains are blue. You know your Coors Light is cold. Crack one open and chill. That's 
all it takes. Uh, it's it's really uh, I'm very happy to have Coors Light aboard one because I love beer. I love drinking you beer. Do? Uh, it's it's something people know about me, <laughs> uh, and it's really cool that they've come aboard uh, with PHLY. So when you are looking to chill, you look for those blue mountains. It's as cold as the Rockies. Boy, are they delicious. Uh, I'm just vamping now because I'm trying to find the call to action. Here it is. So when you <laughs> choose to arrive above it all, choose chill, choose Coors Light, get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y hockey. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Oh, man. it's It's been, I'll tell you. I've had a fridge full of Coors Light at home for weeks now, and Love it's pretty sweet. It's <laughs> I just open it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, my beer. Excellent. So it's been pretty cool. Make sure you check out uh, Coors Light and get them on Instacart. Go to the site, I told you. That's helpful for us. All right, real quick, the uh, couple of things that came up during the interview. We do have a super chat. Oh, we have a super we chat. We have a super yes. chat. We sure uh, do. What does this say? We, we have uh, Vineet Singh wants to complain about Craig Button's top 50 prospects list. From, I believe, yesterday, where he had our old pal Billy Goat at number one. William Goat. And I think yeah. Mate Mitchkoff was, I believe, at like six or seven. Five or six, I think. He Couldn't was win five. that beanpot, though. Five. That was a real shame. Yeah, bummer. Uh, <laughs> look, I am on record as saying I actually love Craig Button's list. And the reason why I love Craig Button's <laughs> list is for this reason. I think a lot of people on the outside look at prospect lists and they think that that means that every scout thinks that this guy's number one, this guy's number two, this guy's in the top 10, this guy's a top 30 prospect. What's the truth is that scouts have such differing opinions about how they view players. And what I like about, about Craig Button's list is how different it is, is that he, this is what you would get if you ask any random amateur scout or pro scout in the game for their list of the top 50 prospects, you would get a list that has about five or six guys where you're like, why the hell is he there? <laughs> because that's the scouting community. What a lot of these lists are in general are consensus lists. They are people like, and I'm not shitting on guys like uh, like Corey, like Corey Promen or Scott Wheeler, but they are trying to create a list that, while it's their opinion to be sure, it also reflects the industry consensus. What I like about the Craig Button list is it doesn't reflect the industry consensus. It reflects the Craig Button consensus, and you can strongly disagree with Craig Button. I strongly disagree with him on a lot of these placements. I do not think Cutter Gauthier is the best prospect in hockey. I do not think he is a better prospect than Mafia Mitchkov, personally. But this reminds you that there are scouts out there that do think Cutter Gauthier is better than Mafe Mitchkoff and thought that way even before the Flyers took Mafe Mitchkoff. Like, I like Calum Ritchie. Calum Ritchie is a guy who I liked as a possible pick for the Flyers with the Oliver Bonk pick. I have not never. This is the first time I've seen Calum Ritchie ranked in the top 10 of any prospect list. And I like the guy, but it reminds me that there are scouts in, in the NHL world that think Calum Ritchie could be a superstar and think that the the Colorado Avalanche picked a, a steal with where they got Ritchie in the draft last did. year. But my point is, is that I find it interesting because it serves as a reminder that, hey, this guy has serious backers in the, in the scouting world, even if it's not anywhere near consensus. I disagree with a lot of Craig Button's list. 
I'm glad it exists because it reminds you that not every scout has the same opinion about every player. Listen, one of these prospect guys said Dylan Strome was going to be better than Connor McDavid. Oh, so, that was Grant McKay. Yeah. yeah. You don't always have to believe everything they say. People get shit wrong. I strongly um, disagree with Craig Button's me. list. I think Mitchkoff, Mitchkoff greater than Gautier. However... I I like the fact that this list is more of a traditional scouts list rather than a list that is trying to reflect the industry consensus at a given time. Um, one of the interesting answers coming from the Jonesy interview was your to your question about what exactly they're going to do in terms of handling the Carter Hart uh, contractual mm. situation. Yes, he's a pending restricted free agent. Uh, under if things are just handled traditionally, like he's any other player. If they do not offer him at least a qualifying offer, he is no longer part of the Flyers. Yep. And Jonesy's answer was kind of, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it very much. I took that answer to mean we'll do what the NHL tells right. us to do, because the Flyers, if this was just left up to the Flyers, the Flyers would have to make a decision. It would mm -hmm. be either do we offer him a qualifying offer, which would be like four million dollars for one year. And given Carter Hart's situation, I imagine he'd probably sign it because, hey, he That's doesn't know if he's ever going to play gonna hockey get. again. Yeah. Or the Flyers could not offer him a, a qualifying offer and then not have his rights at all. He would be a UFA. It just seems like the Flyers, like normally that would be a, a decision the Flyers would have to make. It just seems like they are not going to be the ones making that decision. Yeah. That they are going to defer to whatever the NHL wants them to do. And then they'll see what happens. It's It's... An interesting case for the Flyers because of the group um, involved in this, Carter Hart is the guy that you would most want to hang on to if he were innocent. Like, he's the guy that you would want to get back. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tough, crappy situation. And I, I really don't think you're ever going to get a straight answer out of the flyers no. about this because I, I, they really it, can't yeah. give one. And the thing is like, I, I kind of knew that, but I wanted to no, no, ask no. the question to ask. because it's you an important to topic. And also I think that there are a lot of fans that one way or the other, like, look, they, I think flyers fans for the most part understand that the flyers are in a tough spot here. It's not like they can just say, or they even would be able to without legal issues, right. be able to just say, we're destroying the contract. They are deferring to the NHL. The NHL has told these teams, do what we tell you to do. Mm -hmm. That said, at some point, decisions are going to have to be made and the questions have to be asked. And there are fans that probably are understandably uncomfortable with the fact the Flyers are still paying Carter Hart money yeah. after he was arrested for sexual sure. assault. So it's, it's something that has to be asked. However, it does seem like the Flyers have been told by the NHL. We'll tell you what to do. So just don't answer questions. We yeah. will give you direction. I, yeah, go ahead. No, that's that was it. Um, the NHL employs a ton of lawyers. The yes. commissioner is a lawyer. They are going to defer to them because they don't they want the legal have issue. To. Yeah, no, and that's yeah. They absolutely have, like you can't. There's they just certain mean, things. In, I don't in, know the law. In fairness, they don't have to. The NHL, if they, they wanted to, to, could tell the could tell all their teams. They could say, "Do whatever you want. We don't care." They would be stupid to do that. Yeah, but that they could do foolish. that. That would be very foolish. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> it doesn't seem like that's what the NHL is okay, doing. Let's leave in this, this in the hands of a bunch of idiots. Yeah, <laughs> let's let the teams figure this out. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's probably not the smart. Yeah, I don't think that's the way to go here. Um, finally, I saved the most important thing for last, Charlie. The captaincy. Hey, uh, it was Coots all along. It, it was always going to be Coots as long as like he comes back and is some semblance of 
a dude who we're comfortable like we're not gonna have to buy him out in a year mm -hmm. you know yeah. like we're not gonna have to put him on ellis island uh he's he's he was it and he's back and the coach goes okay yep i'm comfortable with you this very now. much got the impression that the plan all along was yeah that sean Gattari was going to be captain it was more a matter of can he still play but, hockey yeah. yeah can he still play hockey well <laughs> and is this i mean and i never thought this was going to happen but with a coach like John Tortorella, you can never rule it yeah. out entirely. Is it possible that Sean Couturier shows up and butts heads with the coach? Oh, gets the Kevin Hayes. Didn't think it was likely, just knowing Coots' personality. But John Tortorella is a, an interesting guy. Mercurial. You could never, you could never rule it out entirely that they just didn't like each other. No. Uh, was there anything else that stood out before we wrap up here? I just think it's cool that Keith Jones is in charge. Every time we, every time like it's we wild. talk to him or like you see him talk to the media, like he's just such a nice guy, and he's hilarious. They did and it's a, just like they did a really smart thing. It putting was a him very in this smart position. thing. Yes, yeah. it's we'll see how this rebuild go goes and the whole triumvirate, or you want to throw Dan Hilferty in there too, like this whole brain trust they have. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, but, so from a team building yeah. perspective, the jury's still uh, yeah, out. We have no from, idea. From a media management from, standpoint, from the way that yeah. they have handled this ridiculous season, and we're not even at the trade deadline yet. We're two weeks out from They're that. Doing a good job. They have done a good job of helping rebuild that trust in the organization, making us like the organization yes. again. Like yes. for a long time, yeah, I'm a Flyers fan, but I was like, I just fucking hate them. Do you remember how like <laughs> the and I'm not even saying that that Chuck Fletcher every time said the wrong thing, but he said he found a way to piss off everyone. Someone, yeah. Whatever yeah. he, whenever he opened his mouth, maybe that was in part because by the end it didn't matter. He could have he could have said free tickets for everybody, and they would have found a reason to be like, yeah, that just shows how far the organization has fallen. They can't even get people to buy this tickets. This is yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was part of it, but it definitely has changed the way people talk about the organization yeah. that they have some. Someone like Keith Jones, who he's an expert at dealing with media. He's an expert at communicating. This is what he's done for 20 plus years. And you're seeing the uh, the fruits of that in interviews like this, where it seems like the general takeaway from people is Jonesy did a good job in that interview. Yeah. Not, oh, my God, he's a fucking idiot. Like, Fire everyone. Sell the team. I know he's he's spinning. He's making things out to you know benefit the flyers that's his job yeah, that's he his works job. for the flyers yeah. i don't feel like i'm being lied no. to. Yeah. i don't mm -mm. feel like he's like ah oh, this i gotta do it. this these assholes all right i'm just gonna throw a bunch of like he's considering his answers yeah he, uh, so i, yeah, so I, you, I you, you have either the ron hextall why am i bothered why am i bothered yeah. to talk to anyone <laughs> the only person None that matters is me yeah. and then you had the chuck fletcher which was i'm gonna try real hard to tell you what i think you want to hear but it's not gonna be what you want you, to hear. i have no idea <laughs> what, i have no idea what you want to hear please someone yeah. tell me stop yelling at me yeah seriously <laughs> all right uh that is all the time we have for you on phly flyers today we will be back saturday and sunday for uh the post games following the rangers and penguins games those should be a lot of fun thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out uh, if you haven't already, you got to follow us everywhere. We are podcasts, PHLY Flyers on Twitter at PHLY underscore Flyers right here on YouTube. Never miss a live, live show. Set your reminders. And remember, we are presented by Mortgage CS. Uh, check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. For Charlie O'Connor and Kelly Hinkle, thank you to Keith Jones. Have a great weekend, Philly. Go, 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 go.
all silly like the mayor. 